I want to preach this morning uh, on God's potter's wheel. And we read a story about uh, Jeremiah, and he was ordered by the Lord to go down to a potter's house in order to learn something. And this is this in Jeremiah chapter 18, the verses 1 to 12, and 19, the verses 10 to 11. Okay. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will announce my word to you. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something on the wheel. But the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter. So he remade it into another vessel, as it pleased the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as this potter does? Declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so you are in my hand, O house of Israel. At one moment I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to uproot, to pull down, or to destroy it. If that nation against which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent concerning the calamity I planned to bring on it or any other, uh, in any other moment I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to build up or to plant it. If it does, n- if it does evil in my sight by not obeying my voice, then I will think better of the good with which I had promised to bless it. So now then, speak to the men of Judah and against the inhabitant of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am fashioning calamity against you and devise a plan against you Oh, turn back, each of you, from his evil plan away and return your ways and your deeds. But they will say, it's hopeless, for we are going to follow our own plans and each of you will act according to their stubbornness of his evil heart. And chapter 19 to verses 10 and 11. Then you are to break the jar in the sight of the man who accompany you and say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Just so I will break this people and this city 
even as one breaks a potter's vessel, which cannot again be repaired, and they will bury it in Tophet, because there is no other place for burial. Heavenly Father, we thank you. And I pray this morning that our ears might be open and that we might understand your ways. And it's true, Lord, your ways are not our ways and our ways are not your ways. You want us that we understand this morning very clearly your ways. I thank you, Lord, that you will give grace to speak and give grace to listen and grace to act upon your wonderful word. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Now God was about to teach Jeremiah a lesson. How God actually works. And that's important for us as well because God has a plan for us. For everyone, every single person here this morning, God has a plan. And it's very much up to us. Not necessarily up to God. It's up to us whether God can do the things with your life He has planned to do. And it's very important. And we read this also in Timothy. Second Timothy and the Apostle Paul says, Now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful, to the master prepared for every good work. So there are vessels for honor and vessels of dishonor. And I believe every one of us wanted to be a blessing for the Lord. The Lord can bless you and through you others. And it's important. That's what God had with Israel in mind. Why did God bring Israel out of Egypt. Not only because they cried to the Lord. No, God has a, had a meaning, a plan with them. That through Israel should come the understanding of God to all the nations. And there's still a great uh, work for Israel to do. Israel one day will become a great missionary nation. Did you know that? Because through Israel... Should the world come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ? And Israel is now at the moment, let me say, not quite there, but to learn it. And Israel went through all the calamities God put on them in order to show them that He will use them. Now here at the potter's wheel, Jeremiah learned something. He learned God's meaning, God's thought. And he was doing something. He was doing a nice vessel. Now, one thing is for sure, God is not an apprentice. He did something and while he was working there, he is the master. 
while he was working on a vessel, it didn't become that what he wanted to do. And he took it off. And he made something different out of it. And now it's so important to understand not everything. If there's a promise, you could say it is going to come to pass. And if it's not coming to pass, then it's God's fault. No. God is not an apprentice. And he took your life into his hand. And he wants to form you. That's why we're here together this morning. That the Lord can speak to us through his word, through the spirit, and he wants to form us. He wants to form you this morning. I don't know what your situation is with God, what your relationship is with the Lord this morning. Not because you're here this morning shows that you're right with God. No. God is going to speak today to people's heart. And also God spoke to Jeremiah. And especially he wanted to teach them this is the reason why I do things. You can't understand. But he wanted to um, give Jeremiah the understanding of it. And God has a plan with you as well. You don't understand as yet. But one thing is for sure. God's plans are for our good. For our good. He wants you. Even if it doesn't seem to you good at the moment, it doesn't matter. But at the end, God's plans are good. Amen? Hallelujah. Otherwise, he wouldn't have saved you. He has saved you for a purpose. And if you're not a a child of God this morning, God can't use you. And that's important. God wants to use his children and he wants to form them and he wants to lead them. That's what we learn in the potter's house. It was very important for Jeremiah to learn this because with him there were some so-called pillow prophets. They prophesied things people like to hear. But he promised something different. And people didn't want it. And God said, well, I show you how it works. I make a promise to one nation. And if this nation is not going or walking according to my will, the things, the promise of good things, I have said and promised them, I will not do. I will relent of it. And calamity will come. Some people, many people say, well, when I became a Christian, somebody gave me a wonderful promise, a prophetic word. Have you heard about it? Yeah? A wonderful word. Now, and then you ask them, now what happened? What happened? Was it a wrong prophecy? I don't know. But one thing is important. We have to ask ourselves, Lord, why have I not become that blessing I wanted to be for you? Why couldn't you do the things in my life you wanted me to do? And it's so important to understand. And then he says, another time, I, I announce 
calamity for our nation or our kingdom. And then these people, if they return from their sins, then what happens then? And that got Jonah into problems. You understand it, yeah? But then nothing happens if they repent of their sins, then I will turn around the judgment I announce to these people. Do you know that was the problem of Jonah? Yes, wasn't it? Exactly. He prophesied what God said and nothing happened what he said. He prophesied judgment, but then the king, and down from the king, the whole nation repented of their sins. And even, even the animals we can read. And now Jonah was in a safe place underneath the tree, safe from the sun. And he thought, well, he is good to be. Now I, I am a little bit away from this city and I will observe what God is going to do. And what did God do, all you Bible Christians? What did God do? But What did he do? All these people repented and God didn't do the destruction of Nineveh. And Jonah got now in problem. What did he wait for, waited for? He waited for a nice fire coming down and the whole city of Nineveh would burn off. But what happened? The city got saved. They repented of the sin and they got saved. Hallelujah. And I thought over that. Now what, how many sermons did he preach? How many sermons did he preach? One sermon, what sermon was it? Sermon about grace, forgiveness. Did he? No. He preached judgment. And we must ask ourselves sometimes, sometimes, how many mercy and grace sermons have you heard? Many, many, many. I've preached many grace sermons, forgiveness sermons. But he was a whole city. I don't know how many it were. 100,000? Pastor Gary, do you remember the number? I think about 100,000 people. Yes? And all 100,000 people got saved by one judgment sermon. Isn't that interesting? Let's see the way. Can you look up quickly? Yes? Now, and we have 100,000 great sermons, and perhaps no one got saved. Now, something happening. The word of God penetrated the hearts of these people, and there was a command even from the king 
down to everyone, to all the animals, to repent in sackcloth and ashes. Now, how does God work in our life? Now, God choose Israel, and you know why. Why choose God Israel? Did you find? 120,000. A nice, wonderful revival, isn't it? Would you be happy by that? One, one sermon of judgment, 120,000 converts. Hallelujah! That's the word of God. The word of God. Now, how does God work? How does the potter work on a, on a potter's wheel? Have you ever looked how a potter works? There's a Christian evangelical or a, a gospel film, and that's on the potter's wheel. And then you can see how, how it works. The first thing, the potter takes a, a lump of clay, bang, puts it on the disc and then he starts spinning. The clay is spinning and all of a sudden you see there something happening. And I've thought about it. The first thing what the potter does into this lump of clay, what does he do? He puts in his thumbs he digs in. And what happens then? Inside became hollow, a vessel. And then he starts forming and so on. A real massive intervention into the clump or lump of clay. It makes a vessel. God works the same way. God works the same way. And God worked it in my life the same way. It was when my father died. I remember this. There was a calamity for me. I was only nine years old. And I had a good father, a real, real good father. There were some so-called prophetic people who wanted to teach their churches how to prophesy. Have you, have you heard about yeah, how to prophesy? And there was a so-called uh, teacher of, prophet teacher, and he said, I have to talk to you. I said, okay. What do you have to say to me? Oh, well, you, you had a, a very, very harsh father. Because there was that idea around <clears throat> the way you picture your father, you picture God. Have you heard about the nonsense? Yeah? That means, and somehow they thought that I'm a little bit uh, uh, harsh. So, Somebody might have told him that he is harsh or so. And he said, your father was very harsh. He said, no, my father was very, very mild. I couldn't have had a better father. And they thought, well, 
That's the way you picture God. Because you had a harsh father. Where do you get that? In what Bible college do you learn this nonsense? Do you know that? It says nothing in the Bible. Psychology says that. Psychology says that. Oh yeah, you had a harsh father and that's why you think God is harsh to you. <coughs> Hallelujah. And I must say, I had a good, good father. But unfortunately, I couldn't enjoy him too long. I was nine years old. That was a hard, hard experience for me. But one thing I learned in this time when I was nine years of age. I learned something. There is a God. I learned something. There is a heaven. Hallelujah. Because the death of my father didn't cause me to perhaps say to God, no, thank you, God. It's not fair. Have you heard something kids say? It's not fair. Don't argue with God that way. God, it's not fair. Don't argue with God. Anything God does is always fair. Amen? Always fair. Whether you can understand it with your little brain, 250 grams of brain, or not. It doesn't matter. Anything God does is fair. And I learned that by this, I went to the funeral. It was cold, like today. I had short trousers on. That was the best I had then. But there was a wonderful blessing on that cemetery. The church sang songs about heaven. Hallelujah. They sang about Jesus. They sang about nearer my God to thee, nearer to me. This song was for, I think, a number of years, my favorite song. Today, some Christians say, psychologists say, you should not take a child to a funeral. It might get some kind of a damage or whatever. No. But I received here at the funeral the greatest blessings. I understand God is good. I understood heaven is wonderful. And all these Christians who were singing there, they sang about the beautiful of heaven, uh, the, the beauty of heaven. And they want to go there. And I was there, heard all these things. And the old Pentecostal preachers, I tell you what, they could preach about heaven. They could preach about the beauty of Jesus. And all these impressions came into my life. Nine years, I heard it all. I heard it all. I had then a little mouth organ. You know, the, these little, you can play nice melodies. 
I had a little one. And I was somehow so touched by that song, Nearer, my God, to thee. What, a young boy plays a song like that? Yes, that's what I did. All of a sudden, my heart, through this experience, I understand, I understood the gospel in Jesus Christ. And for many, many hours, when I go, went to bed, before I went to sleep in, I took this mouse organ and played it under the duna. <laughs> I played the song, Nearer, my God, to thee, nearer to thee. Hallelujah. That was the first where God dug into my soul. I didn't harden my heart nor soul. It opened up for God. And when I was 13 years old, I made a conscious decision to serve Jesus. Hallelujah. And ever since, God has put me on his wheel. There were many things God did in my life, but everything God did was shaping me. Hallelujah. It was the hand of the Lord. And even today, until today, the Lord is shaping me. It's so important. Don't jump off God's potter's wheel. Stay on it. There's still, still something to do in your life. And God wants to do it. You might say, oh Lord, let's start. My dear brother, Jeremy, yes, perhaps the things you're going through at this time might be something the Lord wants to teach you. Bring you closer to him. But God wants to form us, change us, and will use us. Hallelujah. And that's important. Now God knows how to handle our lives. He knows it. And uh, so I think of Jonah. At first he didn't learn it. But God used him and God had to need him. First of all, he came into the belly of the whale. And there he was in the stomach. And he was needed, I tell you what. And he was softened by the stomach acid or so. But God could use him. And then he was spooned out to the land. And God said, go. Did he go? Yes, he did. He went. God can shape anybody and God shaped also Jacob. You know the story about Jacob. He 
had a problem with his brother Esau. He got in trouble with his father too. And he went away. It looked like he has spoiled his chances. But God has promised Jacob something. He has promised something. I will make a big nation out of you. The promise from Abraham went over him as well. Now, how was it now? He ran away from his brother and he went to his uncle Laban. And when he came there, he learned, first of all, how horrible it is to be betrayed. He promised the younger daughter for Jacob and after seven years hard labor so he was rejoicing now there's going to be a wonderful wedding. Now Laban he knew him and he gave him the wrong one. The Leah. He wanted to have Rachel. He worked for worked for her for seven years. I don't know what excuse Laban said when he betrayed Jacob. Perhaps she might have said, Jacob, it's clear the old bread has to be eaten first and then the new one. And he worked another seven years till he got finally Rachel, he had two wives then. But he had to work very hard. He learned he was betraying actually his brother and now he got betrayed. He got the, the wrong one. Now if there's, how can God use us? And God offers us repentance. And repentance is not a threatening word. Repentance is a wonderful word. God gives you the chance to start again. And you know that with Jacob, when he was at Peniel, and he fought and was ringing, actually, against the angel of the Lord. And then he finally said yes. And then he said, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. And I'm still alive. He gave everything to the Lord. Now our decision in our lives as very important and there's so far carrying in our lives when David Livingston died on his knees in uh, Africa you know he was on his knees when he died so and then he was <clears throat> brought over to England for the funeral. 
a huge funeral. Many, many people came and flocked to his grave. And after the funeral was finished, everybody went home. There was an old man kneeling at the open grave, sobbing and saying, David, you made the right choice. People came. They were wondering, what is this old man doing there at the grave? And they asked him, do you know this man? Oh, yes. We both went together to Sunday school, and I remember very clearly there was one Sunday the teacher made an appeal to become a missionary, perhaps in Africa. I then thought, no, I want to see the world, I want to experience something. And I went my own way. I had no home. I traveled from north to south, from south to north. And when I heard David Livingston is going to be have his funeral here in, in England, then I thought about my life. My life was wasted. But David, he made then the right decision. He gave his life to Jesus and became a misery. David, you made the right choice. A vessel for honor or dishonor. He became a vessel for honor. And everybody knows the story of David Wilkinson, uh, David Livingston. I read all these books when I was a boy about 13, 14 years. All the missionaries and great men from England. Spurgeon, Hudson Taylor, David Livingston, and so on. And these things, these books made such an impression in my life. And I said, I want to serve the Lord my whole life. Hallelujah. So now, do you understand? God can only do something with you if you're prepared to listen to him. Repent of your sins. Invite him into your life. Who knows what the Lord can do with you. Father, we thank you. Also this morning. For your plans. And Lord, I thank you. That you will call. Also in these days, people to follow you. I thank you, Lord. 
I pray for all our young people, Lord. Lord, that you might call perhaps one or the other to serve you. And I bring this sermon into your hands. Work continuously in everybody's life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.